I appreciate uh, Pastor Holmes giving me the opportunity to preach tonight. I've uh, been looking forward to this for a while. My wife got sick uh, last Tuesday, and you know she looked at me and she said, Hey, listen, I'm sick. It's a good chance you're going to be sick come Sunday, so you should, you, should, you should call Pastor and just let him know that you probably won't be preaching. And I looked right back at her, and I said, As long as I am not dead... I will be preaching. Um, <laughs> when God's given you a message, you want to preach it. I think, I think someone needs to watch this guy over here for me, please. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6 tonight looking at a message, the marks of a true disciple. The marks of a true disciple. And I've been in Luke 6 and just looking at this passage for a while and just such a desire to share, such a desire to, to share this passage. And the funny thing was, is all last week, I was looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, just studying the entire passage. And, and I'd come up with this outline, and God would say no, come up with this outline, God would say no, come up with this outline, God would say no. And I remember, you know, Wednesday night, you know, just talking with my wife and being like, I have come up with message after message after message, come up with with gold nugget after gold nugget after gold nugget out of this passage. And God keeps saying no. But then, praise the Lord, uh, he, he narrowed the focus. We're looking at Luke chapter 6, verse number 40 this evening. And I'm excited to look at what, 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 is, what does God say is the mark of a true disciple. Stand with me out of respect for the reading of the word of God. Luke chapter 6, verse number 40. Can we say it in unison, please? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for allowing us to be able to look at your word this evening. Lord, I pray that you will guide us into your truth. Lord, that your spirit will move in a mighty way. Lord, work in my heart, work in the hearts of all the people here. Lord, work in the hearts of the people listening and watching by Facebook and radio. I pray, Lord, that you will move, Lord, that you will, you will use my meager, my, my word, the words that I have, Lord, and use them in a, in a mighty way. May they be your words. Lord, may it be your truth. And Lord, may it, may it convict us this evening. May it change us. Lord, I pray that your power will be seen. Your presence will be felt. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. The marks of a true disciple. Now, as we look at the marks of a true disciple, I think it's probably pretty important that we define our terms. And so let's, let's look, what does it mean to be a disciple? The root meaning of the word disciple is one who is learning. And a lot of times, to be honest, that's probably where we stop. Oh, it's someone who learns. That's a disciple. But the Greek word has a deeper meaning than just being a student. To be a disciple means that you follow after the teacher so that his ways become your ways, that his thoughts become your thoughts, his perspective becomes your perspective, his character becomes your character, and his wisdom becomes your 
wisdom. I find it interesting that the world, I think a lot of times, understands that discipleship, sometimes more than we do. Um, there's a, a, a popular YouTuber uh, that puts out you know, a couple videos a month, you know, but he's, very, he's a very busy person. And so apparently what he did is he hired a person and had them for months and months and months, I think six months, just study everything that he would do so that at the end of six months, that person who he hired could make the same decisions and could think the same way that he would so that when he was not there, things could still get done. Listen, that's what we are supposed to do with Christ. We are supposed to study Christ so well and know Christ so well that we think the way that he thinks. That our perspective is his perspective. That our character is his character. That our wisdom is his wisdom. And as we come to the end of this year, I think it's a probably a good thing that we reflect back on this past year and ask ourselves... Was I a disciple? Was I really a disciple with, with the correct definition? Was I really a disciple of Christ or was I following something or someone else? So let's go ahead and look at this passage this, this evening and look at what, what God has for us. Number one, we're going to look at the disciples' position the disciples' position. Luke chapter 6, verse number 40 says, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now, there's a difference between a teacher and a, someone who is discipling. If you're a student to a teacher, listen, there are many times where a student will, will, will exceed and will be better than their teacher. But when someone is a disciple, they're, they're looking to become like their teacher. They're looking to become like their master. Listen, the disciple is under a master. Now, we have to realize the default master is not God. In our lives as sinners, let's be real, the default master is not God. A decision must be made to change masters. That's, that's salvation. A decision must be made to change masters. You must choose who your master is. You must choose who you're going to follow. And as Christians, listen, sin has no power over you. The flesh has no power over you. But you can choose to follow sin. To follow lust, to follow your flesh, to follow Satan. You can choose to do that. And many people are deceived by different things. Many people are deceived by their own experience. Listen, experience can be a good thing. But when we trust experience over the word of God, it can be a bad thing. This past Christmas, we've talked to my son, Charlie, many times about a certain character who's popular during this time. And at Christmas, my father-in-law decided to come in dressed as this character. And, and Charlie knows what we've told him about this character. 
and we told him the truth. But I'll never forget my father-in-law walking in all dressed up like this character and my son's eyes getting, wow, and his, his smile just getting really big. And he just looked at us and say, he is real. <laughs> Listen, I had to talk to him later and let him know what actually happened. Listen, his eyes were deceived. His eyes were deceived. He was deceived by his experience. It can't, our direction cannot be determined by our experience. It must be determined by the word of God. Listen, we can be deceived by our own ambition. People follow after money all the time, don't they? Listen, listen, especially as a father, father of four kids, I've got, I've got five people to make sure that they're provided for. It can be very enticing to look, okay, how can I just, how can I just make more money? How can I make more money? How can I get more? How can I get more? How can I get more? And pretty easily, listen, if I'm not careful, I can get off and start following how to get more money rather than following the Lord. Listen, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the first part of that verse says, for good reason, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Many people follow after money. Many people, especially in our culture, we follow after comfort. And I think a lot of Christians are guilty of this. Listen, a life, of, a life without trial, a life without tribulation, a life, a life that's, that's easy sounds good. And to be honest, in, in eternity, we're going to have a life of comfort. Just not now. It's in the times of trial and tribulation that we grow. A life without trial and tribulation sounds great, but in the end, it will only produce shallow and self-centered people. Think about kids today. Kids today have just everything given to them. I'm talking to my my sister, um, who's a public school teacher, and she's a middle school public school teacher, and she deals with kids and deals with their attitudes and deals with different things. And she tells me, like, I would love, I would love to punish these kids. And listen, she's talking in attention. She's talking a write-up. But she can't. Her job is to affirm. She's told, you have to affirm them. No wonder when these kids are graduating and, and realizing that they have to work a nine-to-five job, that they're stressed out beyond belief, that they can't make it. Why? Because they've, they've lived a life of comfort. They're self-centered and shallow people. And this doesn't make me happy. This burdens me. This, this, this generation needs God. This generation needs God. But listen, as Christians, we're guilty of falling after comfort. I mean, so many people, I, I, I truly believe that there are more people called into the ministry, called into service, called to go and go somewhere than actually go. Why? Because oh, they're comfortable where they're at. I know someone who has talked to me many times, and they're not, they're not here. They're no, one, no one that you would know. 
But they've talked to me many times and, 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 and told me that they know that they're supposed to be in the ministry. They know that this and this and this and this. And you know what? They're still not in the ministry. They talk and they say, I know I'm supposed to, but they don't do it. Why? Because they're comfortable. They're making good money. They're comfortable. Some people, they go after fame. Listen, it's easy to fall into the trap of wanting people to know who you are. Some people want power. Listen, we can't be deceived by our own ambition. We must choose to follow God and his word. We have a choice. We can follow Christ or we can follow our flesh. Romans chapter 6 verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield ye yourself, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I love how it says, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. It's what it's saying. Yield yourselves unto God as the person that you literally are as a Christian. Like you're alive from the dead, act like it. It's pretty much what Paul's saying. You're alive, you're, you're, you're baptized with Christ, you're resurrected with Christ, act like it. If I could just summarize and add a, add a commentary to that passage, that's what Paul's saying, okay? We've got a decision. And that decision is not just, I'm going to make the decision tonight, and then going forward, I'll be perfect. No, it's every single day. Every single day, every single moment, every single decision. But listen, when you do follow Christ, you will produce the right fruit. If you're not following Christ, listen, though, you're not going to produce the right fruit. Luke chapter 6, verse 43, going back to Luke 6, says, for a, good tree bringeth not, for a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of brambles uh, of a bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. We must choose the Lord and treasure the Lord so that when we speak, the Lord spews out. Because listen, your choice determines who you are. Again, Luke 6, 40, it says, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Listen, I made a choice before, when I was a teenager, that, that I was going to obey the Lord and go into full-time ministry. Now, in my mind, that was going to mean I was going to go to Bible college, and after Bible college, I was going to get married, and right after I got married, I was going to go right into full-time ministry. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. I didn't get married until I was 30. I didn't go to full-time ministry until then either. But listen, I knew that that was where God was going to have me. Even though I wasn't there yet, I knew that that's what God had. So even when I wasn't in full-time ministry, every decision that I made as far as work and where I was going, where I lived, all had to do with, 
I want to be ready for when God moves me to full-time ministry. I had times, listen, worked at a security, ADT security company, sold ADT security systems, and I got pulled out of my department and put in to some special tasks that, voila, they were tests. They were testing me to see my ability. And so after I was done with that, they said, hey, we want you to help build and run a new department. And so I got to spend six weeks in a room with the COO and two other guys figuring out all the processes, all the procedures, all this, all that, all the, everything. And it was a lot of fun. But when they asked me to be a manager, my question was, well, I have to work Sundays. Their answer was yes. So my answer was no. And I gave up a very lucrative opportunity. Now, good thing for me, the company closed like two months later. Um, <laughs> but uh, God knows. God knows. But listen, there were some times that if I would have made the wrong decision, listen, I wouldn't be here tonight. And that's not, that's not saying, oh, look at me. No, that's saying, look at the Lord leading. What a wonderful God we serve. But your choice determines who you are. Listen, the disciple of Christ is Christ-like. The disciple of Christ, listen, has the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, through 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such is there not. Raise your hand if you're perfect at all of those. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm not perfect either. But do you see progress with any of these in your life? Are you more loving now than you were at the beginning of the year? Are you more joyful now than you were at the beginning of the year? Are you more peaceful now than you were at the beginning of the year? What about patient? Are you more patient now at the beginning of the year? Apparently Sam is because he doesn't even want next year to come. Are you more gentle now than you were at the beginning of the year? What about just good? Are you more good? <laughs> Are you more faithful? Are you more meek? Are you more temperate? Have, do you in any of these areas see growth? If you do, praise the Lord. If you don't, make a decision tonight. Make a decision going forward. Listen. When I talk to other people, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to, 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 to understand, I, I sometimes people you know, tell me, oh, well, that person, that's, that's just the way they are. Oh, they're just, they're just angry. Oh, they're just complainers. Oh, they're just God. That's just the way they are. I, I have to say that more and more, I just get angry when I hear someone say that that's just the way they are. As Christians, yes, that might be the way they are, but it doesn't have to be the way they stay. As Christians, we should be growing, and we should encourage others to grow in love, right? Listen, if you struggle with anger, God can help you with that. If you struggle with bitterness, God can help you. If you struggle with fornication, 
Listen, God can help you with that. If you struggle with hatred, God can, God can help you. If you struggle with gossip, with evil speaking, with lying, with, listen, if you struggle with any sin, God can help you. God can give you victory. God can make you Christ-like. Listen, it's not your responsibility to become Christ-like. It's your responsibility to surrender to Christ and allow him to make you Christ-like. Salvation is not the work of ourselves. Neither is sanctification. We just surrender. We just surrender. Listen, the disciple of Christ has the fruit of the Spirit, but the disciple of Christ is a servant. The disciple of Christ is a servant. Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. When's the last time that you served someone else rather than just always were served? Or just look at yourself, look at your life. If you had, I'm not saying this is the best way to do anything, but if you just looked at how many times am, am I the servant and then how many times am I served, which one's higher? Which one's higher? Be a servant. Listen, you know one way you can be a servant? We think like, oh, I have to go do something. Why don't you just pray for people? Just pray for that's a that's a mark of listen, that's the mark of a true servant, a true disciple of Christ. You're praying for other people. And listen, you don't have to be physically able to pray. But we see the disciples' position. We are we are under Christ. We are following Christ. Next we see the disciples' passion. The disciples' passion. Luke 6.40, the disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect, everyone that is trained shall be as his master. The disciple is someone who, who is seeking and is desiring to be like Christ. There's a desire there. Can I say this? It requires training. So many times we just seek to just to do it on our own. Just to do it on our own because we're prideful and we think that, oh, people are just going to be so just appalled at who I really am. So I can't reveal that to them and, and, and I can't, I can't, I, they'll just think nothing, they'll just think so low of me. Listen, we are all sinners saved by grace. Without the grace of our God, without him sending his son to die on the cross, we would all die and go to hell. None of us are better than, 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 than anyone. We are all equally sinners. We are all equally guilty outside of Jesus Christ. We should want to help each other become more like Christ. We should train people. Listen, no one likes when you go into a job just being thrown into it without training. Right? No one likes that. No one likes to be thrown under the bus. But if we don't want to be thrown into a nine-to-five job without training, then why, then why would we want to be thrown into the Christian life without training? A life that is told, we're told, that is filled with trial and tribulation and persecution. A life that we're told is going to be hard. That does not seem like something that we want to do without proper training. It's through proper, listen, it is through proper training that we learn how to properly trust. 
It is through proper training that we learn how to properly trust because we learn who God is. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Listen, when I was in school and I would have a test, and when I didn't study for the test, you know what would happen? Sometimes I would fail. I always got mad. People, people got mad at me because sometimes I would still pass. But sometimes I would fail. Why? Because I didn't study. I didn't know the material. Can I say something? My teachers weren't pleased when I wouldn't do well. I remember having math, algebra, algebra two, to be exact. And I just didn't do my homework. Because when I had algebra one, I didn't like the teacher. The teacher just really, they taught me, like they, they kept saying, memorize this, memorize this, memorize this. But I never understood a single bit of it. And so I never got it. And so I, I still passed it somehow. I got to algebra two. And I remember, I, I really, at that point, had just given up. Like I just didn't know it. I, I didn't even understand algebra. Now I'm somehow in algebra two. And got halfway through the second semester and my teacher comes to me and like, Charles, you have to try and you have to do better. And they looked at me and said, you have to get A's on everything in this course, every homework assignment, every quiz, every test to simply pass. Listen, that woke me up. That woke me up and you know what I did somehow? I don't know how, but I got A's on every single thing from that on out. Do I remember any single bit of it? No. I don't know a single aspect of Algebra 2. It's been way too long. Don't ask me. I told, I told, I told Pastor, Pastor Josh when he came, listen, don't ask me to math. Okay? I don't math. All right? We have other great people who are now here who can help with math. It's not me. One plus one equals two. That's it. All right? Let's move on. Listen, we need to study his word. If we don't study his word, do you think when you stand before him, when he's looking at your life and you're seeing your life literally probably being played in front of your eyes and you're seeing yourself not studying, not studying, not studying, not studying, not studying, are you going to be proud? Are you going to be happy? No. You're going to be ashamed of yourself. And listen, someone who doesn't study is not, that's not, a, that's some, that's not something that God approves of. Because it's sin. It's sin. We are told to study. Study to show thyself approved. If we don't study God's word, we don't rightly divide the word of truth, we are sinning. God does not approve of sin. But listen, it is in his word that we can learn his ways, that we can learn his thoughts, that we can learn his perspective, that we can learn his character. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, excuse me, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect. That's an interesting word. Put Luke 6.40 back on the screen for me. 
The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 puts the verse 17 on, on there again. It says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And listen, when we learn about God, we cannot keep it to ourselves. Listen, it is every Christian's duty to teach others also. Whether it be your kids, whether it be your friends, whether it be your family, whether it be the person sitting next to you. Your goal when you learn about God should be to tell others about what you learned about God. Not saying that every single person gets up here. But listen, when's the last time you were in your devotions, you were studying the word of God, that you just like, wow, that is awesome. And you just had to go like, hey, did you see this? Look, look at this verse right here. Do you see that? When's the last time that you got so excited about what you read in the Bible that you had to just go and tell other people about it? Listen, it's why I told my wife that I will have to be dead in order not to preach. It requires, it requires training. It also requires testing. Oof. It requires testing. Listen, there's some people who you'll talk to them and they'll just tell you, like, I'm not a good test taker. It's like, oh, it's school, man. Like, I just... I just Bombed every test. My wife will tell you that. She, just, she, she did not do well in testing in, in school. In fact, her college professor told her that she should not be a teacher because how, how she, she said that how, how not well she did. But it wasn't until she actually got into the, sub, the, the student teaching role that her teacher's like, wow, you're actually good. There are some people that in school are not good test takers. That excuse, when you stand before God, God, I'm not a good test taker, will not stand up. He is going to send tests. He is going to send trials. He is going to send tribulation. Why? To grow you. To, to purify you, to try you. First Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, Wherein ye greatly re ooh, ooh, rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Listen, we're supposed to give thanks in our trials. Why? Because it's God's will. God has allowed it. Do you believe God's sovereign? That God's in control? Then when you complain... You know, like the Israelites did? When you complain, you're complaining against God. You're saying, God, you're wrong. Oof. Think about it that way. That's pretty, that's strong words. But we, we we're supposed to rejoice in our trials. Why? Because God has something good for us. That's right. Psalm 66.10 says, For thou, O God, hast proved us. Thou hast tried us as silver is Tried. 
He's trying to mold you. He's trying to make you. He's trying to make you into the image of his son. The disciple of Christ needs to desire to be Christ-like. The disciple of Christ needs to desire that others be Christ-like. Listen, this requires a testimony. And other people need to see. They need to see your testimony. Matthew, 15, Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may what? See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And listen, it's when you're in the trial that people look at you the most. So when you don't test well and the world sees it, you know what they do? There's <laughs> nothing special about their God. You're reflecting. They know you're a Christian. And when they see you give up, when they see you give in during a trial, their God couldn't help them. I don't need their God then. But when they see you in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that tribulation, have peace, have joy, have patience, have comfort, what is different? How? I've gone, I've gone through what they're going through, and it destroyed me. How are they so happy? What do they have that I don't? It requires a testimony. They need to see the testimony, but they also need to hear the testimony. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Now, that's not, it doesn't say pastor. It doesn't say pastor. It's talking about someone just proclaiming the word of God. Proclaiming Specifically, the gospel. The fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. Listen, someone needs to tell the lost person about Christ. And you might be a little, whew, that's, that's scary. Listen, just tell them about what Christ did for you. You might say, like, oh, that's, I don't know if that will work. Or you might say, oh, I don't really know how to give my testimony. I don't know how to give my testimony. Write it down. Yeah. Write down what Christ did for you. But listen, you might think, oh, it's not that, it's not that good. Let Christ use it. Listen, Gideon was not strong enough to take 300 men against an army much bigger. It doesn't matter whether or not what you think about your testimony. If God puts it on your heart to share your testimony, to share the gospel with someone else, it doesn't matter what, it doesn't, listen, you might not think that you can share it well. Just share it. Share it. Be faithful. First off, you'll learn how to do it better. But secondly, God can use one person more than we could ever dream of. God can use one word more than we could ever dream of. Just be faithful. It requires a testimony. Seeing, trying to see others be like Christ requires a testimony. It also requires a, attentiveness. It requires attentiveness. 
We need attentiveness to the Spirit's leading in our lives. Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You say, how do I, how do I know I'm being led by the Spirit? Be obedient. Be obedient. With what you know God says, be obedient. And as God reveals more, be obedient. Well, how do I do that? Romans 8, 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. In other words, they fill their mind with the things of God. And the more you fill your mind with the things of God, the more the things of God will come out. And the more the things of God will change you. And the more that God will be able to lead you. Abraham's servant, looking for the wife. He finds the wife. What does he say? I being, what? In the way. I being obedient. The Lord led me. It requires the attentiveness to the Spirit's leading, but it also requires attentiveness to the Spirit's leading in the life of another. Listen, just in witnessing, you'll be talking to two people, and you'll share the gospel, and you're sharing, you're sharing. You can just see in their faces a lot of times whether or not they actually care about what you're saying. Be sensitive to what the Spirit's doing in their life. If you don't see the Spirit leading, don't, 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 don't. Just lead them in a prayer and declare them saved. That's not good. Listen, for myself, I don't want anyone to stand before God at the great white throne of judgment and say, but I prayed a prayer that, that Charles Kaufman led me in a prayer and said, told me I was saved. And then I don't, I don't want to watch them go to, go to hell because I led them in a prayer and they thought they were saved because they said a prayer. I've heard from many, 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 many people a prayer doesn't save because it doesn't. Let the Spirit lead you and show you how he's leading others. Like I, just, I remember just talking to people and just watching them and seeing the husband. The husband really seemed into it, but the wife was like... Listen, I didn't push it. I don't want to give fire insurance to people. Listen, you need to watch how the person you are witnessing to is reacting. You think about Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. This is, then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said, see here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And the Ethiopian, and then, 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 then Philip's just like, well, do you believe in Jesus, that he's Lord, and he died, was buried, and rose again? He's like, yeah, nothing. But listen, it was obvious, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And listen, if we allow the Spirit to lead, it will be obvious. You're not going to have to guess. And if you're not sure, don't guess. Okay, don't guess. Listen, schedule another time to meet. Schedule another time to meet. And it's like, hey, can we study the Bible more? Can we study what God did more? Listen, we see the disciples' passion, number three, and very quickly, 
we see the disciple's perseverance. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect, listen, shall be as his master. Listen, the disciple of Christ persists when things take time. Listen, Jesus spent 33 and a half years on the earth as a humble man. Don't you think there was probably a time in Jesus' life where he thought, can we, can, we, can we just get this over with? 33 and a half years. And then he's on the cross. He's on the cross. He, he, he's, there. he's on there. He, he's made it. And he spent six hours hanging there. Sometimes things take longer than we want them to. Sometimes God allows trials and tribulations in our lives to last longer than we think they need to. But we must remember James 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, what? That the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting Nothing. Listen, sometimes the reason the trials in our lives take longer than we think they should is because sometimes it takes us longer to learn what we should. Sometimes God's knocking. It's like, hey, hello, Bill Brown. Or me. Gotta get, gotta get Bill into it. I'm leaving George alone, but listen, listen, try to get your attention. And we're just thick-headed, and we don't listen. Listen, there are a lot of things I know I'm not perfect at, but I'm working at. I think every hand would go up if, if I said, I talk too fast, right? But I'm working at it. One, one thing, listen, there was a time people kept, kept telling me that and telling me that, and I didn't ignore them. I kept trying to work at it. And in my mind, listen, it doesn't sound to me like I'm talking fast. But you know what? It I found something that helps. It's not, and for those of you who struggle with talking fast yourself, it's not that I talk fast. You're like, what? I don't pronounce my words. I don't pronounce my words. If I focus on pronouncing my words, I talk much better. That's what it is. And so every single time someone told me, stop talking so fast, listen, that didn't help. Thank you, though. I do thank you. But it was discouraging. I don't, want to be, I don't want to be the preacher known that they talk too fast. Be honest. I'll be honest. I, I, I'm thankful for my ordination. I love the men there. But it was a little discouraging every single time that people get up and kept saying, you talk too fast, you talk too fast, you talk too fast. Especially with the fact that I've been working on it and working on it and working on it. That's why Rich Foreman was my favorite, favorite person on the board. He, told me, he doesn't talk too fast. He just has a lot to say. <laughs> but listen... God was teaching me something. And now I know I just need to pronounce my words. And when I pronounce my words, I talk at a better pace. Because I'm not going on to the next word before I'm finished with the one before. And that's what it is. So when I talk too fast, tell me, 
pronounce your words. Okay? Listen, sometimes, and this is something I know, I am someone, when something's going on, I just want to get it done. I just want to get it done, and I just want to move on. I want to be efficient. And when I, people are speaking to me, I want them to be efficient. Just get right to the point, and let's move on. That's awesome. I, listen, I love that. But what I found is other people don't. Other people don't like when you're just very quick and, 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 and just, just trying to get things done quickly. People don't like that, and people get offended. And sometimes in my mind, I can get self-centered, and I can be like, they just need to get over it. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to do all those things. People need to stop being offended. But then I read the Bible, and some, you know, sometimes there are just verses in Scripture that don't make me happy. <sighs> like Colossians 4, 6. Let, let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. I don't like that verse. I'm just going to be honest. Can't we all just, just say things as quickly as possible, just to the point, and then move on? And just leave the generalities out of it? But no. I'm supposed to have grace in my speech. And my speech is supposed to be always with grace, seasoned with salt. And this is talking not what I say, but how I say it is important. <sighs> I'm just being real. We all know those verses that when we really think about it, God, I understand. I don't understand. But I, you said it, and therefore, you're my God, and I'm going to try to work on that. And listen, I am. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm trying to work at it. What are you trying to work on? But those are two things. Listen, it's taking a whole lot longer than I want it to. A whole lot longer than I want it to. Listen, we have a, we have, we have a end of the year review that I get to go in pastor's office. And pastor gets to tell me everything that he needs to. And can I say that I'm thankful the pastor's willing to say, Charles, stop. You need to think about this. You need to look at this. You need to correct this. We need, to, we need more of that. I'm thankful for that. But sometimes when we're trying to grow, we're trying to be better. It just takes longer than we want it to take. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up when things take too long, but don't give up when things are too hard. James 1.12, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised them that love him. Listen, no matter how dark the time you're in, God loves you, God is in control, and God is working all things for our good and his glory.
We know the verse, Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And listen, when we are looking to Christ, when we are following him, when we are setting our desire after him, we, are, we, we realize our position, we realize and we have the right passion, and we, we are persevering. Listen, we will be able to get through these times of trial. We will get through the times of tribulation. Look at what Paul said in Romans 8, 18. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I think that's why he was able to say in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. That's a big statement. I think if you have kids, you know what it's like to, be, to spend and be spent. When you're a leader, you know what it's like to spend and be spent. But when you're a disciple of Christ, listen, you will do it because it's worth it. Amen. Looking back at this last year, and I'm done. Where was your position? Did you choose to be under Christ? What was your passion? Were you pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Were you trying to be more, more Christ-like? Did you persevere? Did you press through the trials? Did, were you, did you spend and were you spent for him, but you still remained faithful? Look back. At this last year, can you say that I can see the marks of a true disciple? Some of you might be able to say, yeah, I can. Praise the Lord. Some of you might say, man, I really can't. But listen, in less than five hours, Sam, I'm sorry, but 2024 is going to be here. And may we at the end of 2024 be able to look back and say, I can see the marks of a true disciple of Christ.